and welcome to another edition of Pop Culture with Beards. I'm Phil, and I'm starting with the mascot. Ah, oh, no, I'm going to do the mascot first before I get uh, to you okay. guys. Right. A mascot, which is an idea that we've nicked off out of 10 cats. Uh, today's mascot is going to be the movie line, Every Time a Bell Rings, an Angel Gets Its Wings. And to my left is... Andy. Hi. And to my right is... This is Mike, and I'd like uh, four fried chickens and a Coke. (laughs) All right. Well, on that, that leads us not at all to our subject for today, which is Freaks and Geeks. What do we know about Freaks and Geeks? I can uh, give you a summary, but Andy... Give me a reaction to Freaks and Geeks, just off the top of your head. Okay, Freaks and Geeks was, uh, or is, one of those cult television shows that uh, came out, you can tell me that, 2000 and mid-2000s, I'm guessing, I'm not really sure about that, had a wonderful cast that we will go through, and it was heralded by Judd Apatow, who many of you should know from his comedy films. And again, we can go through them in a sec. I'm sure Phil's got a list there. And it was set in 1980. It was. And it was about a bunch of older kids, the freaks, and a bunch of younger kids called the geeks. And I think it was very much a word-of-mouth type of television series that um, got its popularity and people would tell one another all about it. And I loved it. I thought it was a great... Only one season. All true, all true. What the, some of the dates there are, um, it came out in 1999-2000, ah. and it was uh, unusual because it was a, an NBC show, which it was, it was a network show, but if you see it now, everything about it suggests other types of television. It's all like, uh, I suppose... It looks like it's something that's been kind of uh, more cable-influenced, if you Mm. like, something that isn't... Low budget. Yeah, also not so mainstream as well in terms of... Very offbeat. Yeah, what what it was trying to do. So uh, at the time, it was very, very popular um, with a very, very small amount of people, if that makes sense, because what was going on is that uh, critics who saw it uh, loved it. It was a real sort of critical darling of a series. However, uh, getting a popular uh, audience was extremely difficult for a number of reasons, but mainly because it didn't feel like anything of that time. Nothing around it in that sort of dramedy area, if we can use that terrible term. Yeah, uh, it is a terrible term, but we'll let it know, But it does, it does okay, kind of cover what that was. Yeah. It was that, you know, really... Uh, it's very accurate. ...really good combination of drama and comedy. Because mm. there was nothing like it too much at that time, especially for that audience. Mm. Um, it couldn't find a wider audience and it sort of disappeared from view pretty quickly. 18 episodes were made, but only 15 were aired. Oh, okay. Didn't know that one. So why is that? Uh, well, they didn't, NBC didn't want to, uh, show those last three, just wanted to bury the show quietly. Pretty much. It was one of those. It didn't get a lot of love here either. I think because it's not late and and it didn't actually extend past the season. So it's like, why why are we going to, uh, 
give it a big run. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Very which is a shame because you never know what it could have been. But then so many of these shows should have ended after one too. So mm. yeah, well, we'll, well it, never know. It turns out to be one of one of the reasons I think it turns out to be so well loved by people is that they really kind of enlisted with the story of the characters. But that in itself, yeah. I guess, is how good TV is supposed to work. But in particular. Because they were focused on the idea of doing stories for a group of high school kids who were meant to be going through their 1980-1981 year, and that hadn't really been done on television at that point. So for that bunch of sort of Generation Xs, that was a a new thing. And um, I'm talking about the people who were supposed to go through school at that era. Definitely had that 70s, obviously, it's mm. late 70s, early 80s feel to it. When I first started watching, I thought it was 70s. But Is it as good as Fraternity Vacation, I ask you? Well, it depends by what you mean by good. Who's in Fraternity Vacation? Tim Robbins. Okay. How about that? Take that. I don't know. That Was that a TV series no, or a film? No, that's a film. That's just a, that's a red herring I've thrown in there for you. Certainly. Um, but uh, I just wanted to hear what you're going to tell us about Fraternity Vacation. Well, it was, uh, it was uh, one of those, uh, what do they call them? Uh, boner jams, I think they called uh, them back in the day. Um, but, uh, right. yeah, lots of, lots of crazy style. college and hijinks, uh, mm. you know, meshed together. Nothing as good as this, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, it, it had an audience. So we were briefly talking about how it's such a wonderful cast. Yes. Can you go through who's in it, please, Phil? Uh, Linda Cardellini as Lindsay, oh, yeah, who basically fantastic. was the star of the thing. It was her story and then everyone else's story radiated out from it. It's and I must say, she went from a freak to a geek, didn't she? And that was the Without idea. spoiling anything else? She mm. starts off as a mathlete and then she decides, I don't want to live. A, a relative dies and that sort of... Uh, very early on at the very beginning and then that sort of gives her a crisis and she thinks well I don't want to be this sort of egghead anymore and she is attracted to the freaks her brother is played by John Francis Daly Uh, James Franco is in it Uh, in fact the freaks are played by James Franco Um, Jason Siegel uh, is I actually don't we don't need character names and um also, uh, Busy Phillips, who is great in this. Her character actually is Kim Kelly. And so um, she's attracted to this sort of... Um, Seth Rogen's in there? He is, indeed. He's attracted to this group who are burnouts, is what one of the other names that they have for them. And uh, it is looked at as the kind of thing like, you know, if you're a smart kid and you're attracted to those people, you've just signed yourself up to be a loser and you're no longer on the right path. That's the idea. So she kind of disappoints everyone by doing this. But she actually starts to feel like she's in with the right people. She's enjoying their company. Yeah, that's right. And then her younger brother is the Geeks. Yes. With Mike Starr, who is just fantastic. Yes. Uh, he's really good. He's terrific. Well, Mark Starr's turned up in a number of things since then, um, and including the, um, the Spider-Man movies, the, uh, the recent ones. Uh, he plays a teacher in those, but he also turns up in uh, Freaks and Geeks with uh, Sam Levine, who plays the character of Neil, who thinks he's going to be a comedian and uh, <laughs> is brilliant in the role. I think he's the um, the token Jewish character, isn't he? Well, Not token, but... Well, you know, um, uh, 
and he is um, his. I, I think he's probably the most regular kind of um, comic relief of the characters. Yeah, very yeah, nice. I, um, my favourite character of the whole thing is the guidance counsellor, the the school psychologist. I can't think of the guy's name, but he's got the balding on the front and the long hair at the back. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, Mr. Rosso, I think. Mr. Rosso trying to be uh, hip and in with the kids when he's anything but. And it sounds cliche, but the way it's delivered is just beautiful. Also, because of the nature of the show, it's not a. it wasn't a show which... Even though Mr. Rosso was there for laughs to a certain extent, he wasn't completely. And, in fact, it was the type of show where, at one point, we're introduced to the the coach. And even though the coach is, you know, a bit tough, especially on the geeks, he's not completely one-dimensional. They no. show the other side of him as a character. And that was the point about the show. Rather than being... Something where it's kind of like, yeah, mm. these are pathetic teachers who are hopeless. They would actually show, they would get last first, but then show these other dimensions of them, which is one of the things that made people really love watching the show. It's very, very different. That's probably why it didn't do so well, because these weren't your cliches and people didn't know how to take them. Yeah, well, exactly. How am I supposed to feel about this? Aren't I just supposed to laugh at these? And just on the, um, sorry to interrupt, but just on the, uh, the, the coach there, who's beautifully played by the actor that played, that was Biff in Back to the Future, um, is such a fantastic actor. Oh, Thomas F. Wilson, isn't it? Thomas F. Wilson? That's yeah, his name. I'd yeah. say probably a lot of people would disagree with me and say Biff is his greatest character, but to me, no, it's the coach you. character in Freaks and Geeks. It's a beautifully rounded performance. Yeah, so... While we're talking about it, any particular episodes or scenes that stick out um, for you, Phil? Uh, I am a pretty big fan of pretty much all the episodes, but I would say that the things that... uh, And I can really say that, because how often can you say, hey, I like all 18 of these, but I do. Mm. In this case, though, I think the things I tend to remember are the, the scenes involving the mascot, the Viking mascot. Yeah, that's right. Brilliant. Uh, um, I won't go into too, too deeply, but they built a brilliant mascot costume. They did, yes. And they used it very, very cleverly in a slapstick kind of way. And when you see it, you won't forget it. It's very nicely done. Uh, probably it also got... Um, it, the show got quite a bit of uh, feedback for things like the episode where... Um, they have um, Seth Rogen's character is um, trying to work out how he feels about a uh, particular girl. Oh, that's doing, right. Yeah, who's got who ha- who? Uh, I'm actually not going to say anything more about that because I just will uh, twist that episode around. But it's, it was unexpected at the time. She had uh, something going on, and uh, they rather than sort of play it for. Certainly they didn't play it for last, but what they tried to do was take a character that Seth Rogen was playing and they were did their best to give a character who found it difficult to express himself kind of give him some uh, give him an issue that he just couldn't deal with simply and he really couldn't find too many people who could help him with it either and it's, that is a very nice way to describe what being that kind of teenager yeah. can be like it is yeah again it's uh multifaceted if you will i think uh, mike you might have mentioned about how a lot of these a lot of the cast went on to bigger and brighter things but i think this is the best stuff any of them have done that i've seen them in i haven't not a 
a huge fan of Seth Rogen. I think he's he's a pretty interesting guy, but I think this seeing him in this show is the best thing he's ever done. He just plays it so beautiful, so beautifully. Same with James Franco. Not a massive fan. He's okay, but he's really, really good at playing these parts. Um, and Linda as well. I haven't really seen her in a lot of stuff, but they, they, these kids just nail their performances and they nail their characters and I just love them. I've got to say, I, I didn't catch a lot of it because I think... Um I don't know. It's, it moved around the schedules when it was on here in uh, in Perth, so I didn't really get, get to see a lot of them. So I've got to got to chase up the uh, the set, I think. But I believe you've got some news about what's uh, how you might be able to do that for all those uh, physical media lovers out there. I believe they're re-releasing uh, Freaks and Geeks on Via Vision. So uh, that's now what's that exactly? What's Via Vision? It's like a, um, one of those uh, DVD labels. Oh, there, so it's like a, out on DVD. Yeah, okay. yeah, so it's coming out in about a, about a month's time or sooner. So put my order in for sure. Keep an eye out. Well, while we're talking about things like that, and certainly track that down. Uh, if you get a chance, check out the Freaks and Geeks documentary, which oh. was put together by uh, Brett Hodge. It was actually, uh, you may find it as simply by seeing it on something like SBS On Demand. It has been on there and it may be back. Uh, the documentary is great and it actually shows how Paul Feig and uh, Judd Apatow worked really well with their young cast. And in fact, right. it was their production style that led to a lot of them becoming also writers and directors of their own productions and moving into things uh, at a certain level that probably would have taken longer had they not begun. It was kind of like a school for people who had done nothing really previously. It was to sort of set the scene for them to work in a collaborative way creatively on comedies and dramas so it was yeah. brilliant in that way too I, so just, I was my, just going to say does this sit pretty early with Paul Feig because he, yeah. he went on to do big stuff like uh, Bridesmaids and Spy with Melissa McCarthy so mm. you know he's uh, he's no slouch in the comedy department so is this it gets pretty early on in the piece oh absolutely well what the thing is that he probably wasn't as far along the production side of things as Apatow was but both of them kind of were kicked into a whole other level by doing Freaks and Geeks, even though it wasn't considered a success. And it uh, set them off, as well as the cast, into all the various directions they went. And that is another reason to talk about it, because it wasn't just this unsuccessful series that should have been more successful. It was the starting point for a lot of creativity Mm. in this sort of comedic, and dramatic area. Dare we say a launching pad? Yeah, very much so. And um, I just wanted to... Did you guys have anything else you wanted to add about Freaks and Geeks? Also, the series Undeclared was made after Freaks and Geeks, and it also disappeared, and that was a Judd Apatow series that used some of the same people. I'd just like to say it's abundantly clear I haven't seen enough Freaks and Geeks, so I'll be off to do that after this episode. Well, I just wanted to leave everyone on the uh, My Favourite episode. Uh, Not that anyone asked, but that's okay. And it was when they had Halloween and uh, Mike Starr's character decided he wanted to dress up as the bionic woman. And he dresses up beautifully and, and owns it, and it was fantastic. So that was uh, that was my favourite one. Hey, Andy, uh, what was your fa- Oh, <laughs> timing. <laughs> Sorry, dude. Okay, so thanks, Phil, for introducing us to uh, the audience out there to Freaks and Geeks. It's, it's a fantastic series. Thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you.